So Bitcoin it, it are basically our balls. That, that's, what I think, what we're saying here, Scott. That's dope. This episode is sponsored by Bullish and Arculus. Stay tuned for more information on both of these incredible companies later in the episode. I sat down for a frank conversation with Max Kaiser and it was everything you dreamed it would be and more. Probably the most expletives that I've heard in a single conversation thus far and somehow degenerated into how the Miami Bull is lacking in, well, we'll say balls, and how Bitcoin itself is in fact Balls. I don't think you want to miss this conversation that I had with legend Max Kaiser. I was with Ricardo Salidas yesterday and he said you were going to get him orange shoes. Yeah, they are. Um, we have them. We just haven't delivered them yet for, a car, for um, Ricardo and his son Hugo. Yeah, I've and I think his chief of well. staff as well. They're cool. They're very cool. You know, they're having a great time. You know, Bitcoin is just like, it's giving those guys a second life. Really, an interesting way to put it, uh, yeah. and I've noticed that. I've been kind of saying that we're seeing obviously all these billionaires, institutions, whatever. Yeah. But you're not seeing any of them go backwards. Once they find it, there's no reversing. No, it's 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 a lot of fun for them because they they can't control it. So, like the problem with being a fiat billionaire is that you have people constantly telling you, "Do this, do this. You've got billions. Do this, do that." You know, and with fiat money, you, you do have the ability to influence politics and influence society but with bitcoin you don't yeah so it's like they can be have fun again he said he's 60 percent in and he loves playing golf that's what i got out of it but 60 percent is no joke well i told him that was a basically he was short yeah he was short bitcoin at only 60 percent you got to go michael saylor and go 120 percent yeah 150 percent well, listen, you're spending a lot of time in El Salvador, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I think there's probably, I wouldn't say misinformation, but not enough information coming out as to what's actually happening on the ground. Can you talk about what it's like spending time there, how fast it's moving? Yeah, just to be clear, have we started this interview? Oh, yeah, we just okay. go, man. Fine. Um, <laughs> well, We're starting now. The, uh, <laughs> right, so the Kaiser Report, uh, which is went off the air on February 24th, uh, we'll be back on the air in El Salvador. So it'll be a reconstituted Kaiser report, but broadcast from El Salvador. And um, so we'll, we'll pick it up where we left it off, episode 1,821, basically. Uh, maybe a name change, but uh, it'll be the same thing. So as to your point about getting the information out from El Salvador, I uh, spoke to the president, Najib Bukele, about the need for English-speaking media. Uh, like every country in the world now is English-speaking media to get their message out. It started with Al Jazeera, Al Jazeera English, and then every country in the world kind of followed their lead, including Russia and Germany and France and China. And so El Salvador needs a big English-speaking news and commentary presence. So um, as soon as we um, kind of take uh, take a break from our vacation, you know, we're on vacation mode for the first time in 13 years. You know, we did Kaiser Report three times a week for 13 years without ever missing a single week. And um, so we're enjoying we're enjoying not doing anything at the moment. But 
at some point we'll have to get back in the saddle and um, pick it up where we I left like, off. I like that you call this not doing anything. It's when you don't, when you have to do a drive, when you just get to be on the other side of the microphone, all of a sudden it's relaxing. <laughs> yeah, this is easy. Um, you know, doing the show uh, requires actually some writing. Stacy does the writing. We have to book guests, and um, you know, that's uh, it's a task to do um, and to keep it. Um, it, you know, to make it look easy it takes a lot of work. Yeah. You've always said Bitcoin's inevitable, right? Uh-huh. Where are we on that uh, timeline now? Well, inevitable, you know, that can mean a few different things. So um, inevitable in terms of being a global hyper-Bitcoinization, uh, we're seeing, I think, I guess you'd have to, com Scott, compare it to internet adoption in the 90s. Uh, you know, I was running an internet company in the 90s, and uh, even after Netscape went public and you had a big surge of, of use of the internet, there was a period there around 1997 or so where people like Paul Krugman of the New York Times and others were questioning whether or not this internet thing was going to survive, or was, was it just a fad? Tax machine. <laughs> and, uh, you know, then we saw that hockey stick moment. You know, that's the character of exponential growth is that you've got that doubling effect, that factoring, that exponential growth. And so now, I think we're at that hockey stick moment where you see in the next six to nine months, doubling of usage from 150 million to 300 million, and then pretty soon we're gonna be over a billion. And then Bitcoin will be ubiquitous and entrenched and part of everyday life. And people won't even be thinking about it. They'll be using it, but they won't even know they're using it. Just like people use the internet and they don't really think about the protocol that underlies the internet and how it works and why it works. They just use it. Same thing with Bitcoin. It just becomes part of the fabric of our reality. Yeah. I mean, I believe that we're at the hockey stick as well. And obviously we'll see exponential growth. What's interesting to think about though, is even if it doesn't go as fast as maybe we expect, all of our children are never gonna live in a world that didn't have Bitcoin. So it's going to get there no matter what. It's, it's happening really fast, but it has a price. And that is what people focus on. And if it's not moving uh, in any given minute of every given day in the direction people want it to move, it becomes like, oh my God, this is not happening as fast as I would. Uh, you know, with the internet, it wasn't actually a price that was traded in terms today. of the uh, where it was in the adoption cycle. Um, having said that, I'm sure a lot of people would have love to have the opportunity to actually buy part of the internet, uh, which is what you can do with Bitcoin. You're actually buying something as big as the internet, as ubiquitous as the internet, but you're actually able to own a piece of it. Um, so that's that's the big difference, and, and that is what is uh, remarkable in a lot of ways. Uh, you've obviously been participating in this, thinking about it for a very long time. I think it started as uh, obviously peer-to-peer -peer cash and for the everyman. Now we're seeing nation-state adoption, institutional adoption, governments, of course. Does any of it concern you? In why? In what way? Wall Street getting their hands on Bitcoin or participating, for example. Well, the, the design of the protocol invites everyone to join, and it also invites attacks. And, and, and the game theoretical aspects of it are intact. And, uh, they're working beautifully. So you want as many people to be participating as possible. You want both Russia and Ukraine uh, buying Bitcoin. Uh, you want every country to be buying it. Uh, you want Wall Street buying it. You want Wall Street trading it. You want Wall Street creating all the derivatives they want to create on top of the Bitcoin stack. The greatest thing we have, though, is the ability to pull our keys 
off the exchanges. So if they want to create a multi-tiered Ponzi scheme based on a Bitcoin base layer like they do in the gold market, for example, which hasn't had good price discovery now for over 10, 15 years, uh, you know, we have the ability to pull the private keys off the exchange essentially and collapse any major Ponzi scheme. There will be credit cycles. I mean, you know, Bitcoin will still be used as collateral. There's a lot of products here of that are being introduced for mortgages and other types of leveraged products. And that's fine. Uh, it's pristine collateral. Michael Saylor is now, you know, borrowing uh, against his Bitcoin position at... Um, to buy Bitcoin. To buy Bitcoin. So. Um, he's engaged in what I've said many times, you know, is basically a, um, he, he's engaged in a leveraged attack against the dollar, a speculative attack against the U.S. dollar. Because you, if you can borrow money at these artificially low rates that the central banks have kept so low as part of a failed bank policy now for years, and you can buy Bitcoin, you're going to... Um, you're going to exploit this incredible arbitrage between the central bank totally mishandling policy for over 20 years now and the presence of this pristine, perfect money Bitcoin. And so Michael Saylor sees that and he's taking advantage of that. When I talked to Ricardo Salinas Pliego about this, he said he's 60% Bitcoin. And I'm like, well, you know, that's a, that's a baby position. You know, you need to get 120% Bitcoin. You know, everything you have, you need to put it up as collateral and go all in. You know, he, he, he kind of laughed at that. Uh, but it's hard to argue with a guy while you're on his jet. Uh, <laughs> clearly, he, uh, he's doing something right. Yeah, I, he, 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 yeah he's, he, he's definitely speaking from a position of power and experience. What you just described, though, is the billionaire playbook anyways, right? Michael Saylor has sat on my show and does what Michael Saylor does, which gives you a two-hour education mm -hmm. on the way things are happening and you don't get a word in edgewise, right? And he's definitely broken down for me before. This is what you do if you're wealthy. You take everything you have, you get a really low-interest loan, and you never sell anything, right? And you never pay taxes. But now he's the only one, almost, who's seeing that what he can buy with that now is this pristine asset that didn't exist before. So it's the playbook now with, that's even improved, effectively. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, during the Weimar days, Weimar Germany, the richest man in Germany did something very similar. He borrowed against the central bank, bought commodities, and uh, became the richest man in Germany. This, uh, I believe it's in the book, When Money Fails. We all believe and know that cryptocurrencies are the future, but it's still very scary to be your own bank and have to secure your assets. Most of the traditional hardware wallets are hard to use. They're clunky and people lose their private keys. It's not really that efficient. And that's where the Arculus key card comes in. I absolutely love this thing. I've transitioned largely to using it for most of my assets. It's literally just a card that you tap right on your mobile device. You can send, receive, swap, buy, and sell crypto with that simple action. It's literally amazing. There's no cords. There's no charging, there's no Bluetooth. The only person that has access to your crypto is you. You guys have got to try it. And guess what? You can buy it right on Amazon. Go buy your Arculus on Amazon now. Have you ever been trading crypto and during bouts of high volatility had your exchange go completely offline or seen the order books go thin and have absolutely no liquidity for your trade? I know that you have. It's happened to every single crypto trader, but it's not an issue anymore thanks to Bullish. 
Bullish is a powerful new exchange for digital assets that offers deep liquidity, automated market making, and industry-leading security. Combining the innovations of DeFi with the regulated environment of traditional finance, Bullish empowers users to trade with confidence across variable market conditions while secure in a regulated environment that's backed by multi-billion dollar liquidity contributions from the Bullish Treasury. Follow at Bullish on Twitter or visit Bullish.com slash Melker to learn more. And uh, a quick side note here about Michael Saylor. Remember that pretty much the Michael Saylor playbook is the Trace Mayer playbook. And, you know, we give a shout out to Trace Mayer who came up with the seven networking effects of Bitcoin back in 2010. You know, and he, um, you know, to the contact that I've had with Trace Mayer, you know, he still is probably one of the biggest Bitcoin holders out there with over 200,000 Bitcoin. And he chose to go radio silent uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, but, you know, just a shout out. So I, I am kind of a, the old man and the historian of Bitcoin now, one of the very few OGs still coming to conferences and talking. Right. Uh, so I, I'm going to give a shout out to my, my old friend, Trace Mayer, who was really um, made the case for Bitcoin as, as pristine asset and something you could build an enormously profitable, leveraged position in. So, uh, but now you see it uh, with Michael Saylor and success breeds success. So we're going to see um, other, other companies and other individuals follow that model. Uh, they have the white hot breath of inflation breathing down their neck. And inflation is breaking out, as we've been saying for a while, and it's not transitory and it's entrenched. It's, it's a cyclical turn. The bond market now is over. The 40-year bull market in bonds is finished. Yeah. So this is, a, you know, commodities are now in charge. Paper assets that have been running the show for 40 years, that period is over. Uh, you know, Russia is not stupid. Uh, they kind of forced this change right now. They forced the collapse of the dollar and the fiat money system and the rise of commodities. They're a huge commodity producer. The ruble is hitting uh, all, you know, new highs. Uh, you know, it's higher now than before the invasion. Uh, ruble is probably going to be one of the strongest currencies in the world going forward. It's commodity-based currency. They've got China, Iran, Russia, India. Uh, all aligned on one, uh, South Africa, South America, Mexico, they're all lining up behind commodities and Russia, essentially. So the U.S. is, I'm not sure they're playing this very well. If you're throwing Bitcoin in the uh, commodity basket, which many like to, do you think that then we start to see nation-level adoption beyond El Salvador? You've obviously hinted at Mexico. We heard announcements from a Mexican senator here saying that they're going to propose legal tender. Do you think we're going to see this I mean, it's been since the last conference in you know, El Salvador, uh -huh. and maybe we expected more faster, but expecting that from governments is probably uh, not the best approach. But do you think we're going to start to see this groundswell country to country? Right. Well, the, the, the sea change, Scott, is the, the, the narrative of countries are going to outlaw Bitcoin to countries are going to start panic buying Bitcoin. That's the difference. So we're still, there's a few countries are still in the th frame of mind that they need to outlaw or regulate Bitcoin. And particularly in the US, when you hear people like Brad Sherman or Elizabeth Warren, or there's another congressperson out in California now who's attacking El Salvador, and we need to protect the dollar from El Salvador. Oh my gosh. Okay, so these people, I mean, Liz Warren has her head so far up her ass that uh, it's, uh, it's like a contortionist's dream. I mean, she should be at Le Cirque du Soleil doing contortions. <laughs> 
I mean, I've never seen such an ill-informed, financially illiterate fuckwit in my life. And she's actually in a position of power and people listen to her. That's very sad for America. It's America's loss. You know, the rest of the world's looking at that, rubbing their hands and saying, keep talking, bitch, because we got the commodities and we're going to be running the show soon and you're going to be out there sucking cock in the parking lot for two bucks. Have at it, bitch. Pretty <laughs> much. I'm sorry to be so frank, but that's the that's life, baby. I absolutely love it. I, I've I've spared no uh, words for her myself. I, I mean, it's hard not to. And the thing is, though, you say she's she's dumb, but I don't think she is. I think it's evil. It's intentional. She can't be that stupid. Come on. Um. When you, or it's, like, or look, it's bought look, and paid look, for. Look at Sean Penn. Is he stupid or is he a CIA asset? In you other tell words, me. <laughs> if the CIA and these folks, they need puppets, they need morons. These, she's a useful idiot, is what the Soviet Union used to call these types of people. Uh, she's a useful idiot. She, she works for the lobbyists on Wall Street and she gets paid to, to say stupid shit. And that's dumb because she's disgraced herself, her family and her friends are, are now, they, they've been disgraced. And I think that's very stupid. So is it evil? I mean, evil requires some modicum of intelligence. You know, crooks tend to be kind of smart, you know, um, but she's not even smart enough to be a crook. She's just smart enough to be a stooge. But you, you talked about- Well, Brad Sherman's worse though, just to be fair. It's not- Mongoose, Cobra. Yeah, Brad Sherman is uh, a functional uh, imbecile. I mean, he's actually got less cognitive abilities than Joe Biden. But his competitor, Erica Rhodes, has actually really taken quite a uh, shine to Bitcoin and is... I had a long conversation with Erica Rhodes yesterday and, uh, you know, we're going to do whatever we can to get her in office and take that fucking idiot out of office. Brad Sherman is a, is a disgrace to America. And you, but you just talked about this bill being proposed in California. How is El Salvador possibly a threat to the dollar? What? Why should American legislators be concerned about that instead of, I don't know, fixing all the problems that we have? Well, you here. know, the volcano bond in El Salvador can pay off the IMF loans, pay off all the loans. They, El Salvador could be a completely debt-free country with uh, volcano bonds. And that's a threat to the U.S. dollar because it means that if El Salvador can escape U.S. hegemonic power, and the colonialization in the Central America and Latin America, then so can all these other countries do the same thing. Honduras, by the way, was going to declare Bitcoin legal tender at this conference. Uh, they got wind of it down there in the IMF and in Washington, D.C. Uh, D.C. sent in a plane load of suits to Honduras, threatened to kill everybody there unless they uh, chose to, to make a different decision. So it was the uh, economic hitmen showed up in Honduras threatening violence, as Paul Krugman of the New York Times has said. Since the 1960s and 70s. It's the game, same game, game show. So Paul Krugman of the New York Times when asked, what backs the U.S. dollar? He said, men with guns. And that's true. That's what backs the U.S. dollar, violence. What, we see it every day. This is uh, the American empire is based on violent uh, genocide across the world to support the dollar. Uh, so when Honduras decided, you know what, we want to be free and sovereign. Uh, they sent in the, the, the assassins and they threatened to kill everybody in Honduras. And so Honduras bent the knee. But they'll be back because inflation's out of control and um, the U.S. dollar is weakening 
in terms of its usage over around the world. Less than 60% of global trade is now U.S. dollar. And um, so they just have to wait a little bit longer before Hondurans get the taste of freedom. They, they'll, they'll taste it, though. Talking about stupid, China last year. Right. So China, 500 years ago, during the Ming Dynasty, they burnt down their treasure fleet. You know, China was ruling the world. But the new, the Ming Dynasty at that time decided that the merchants had too much power and that they were challenging the dynastic powers that were running China. So they ordered their 500 or so ships burnt. And China went into a period of, of, of decline. Um, and this was the second worst mistake that China has ever made by getting rid of the miners, as they did. It had absolutely no impact on Bitcoin. The hash rate's now already at new all-time high. They're at a disadvantage, a strategic disadvantage, having done that particular act. But this is China's uh, curse, is that whenever they're on the cusp of a major win, they tend to blow themselves up. Uh, they're like the Doug Flutie of countries. Uh, <laughs> they choked. They choked again. So, yeah, are they stupid? Yeah, they're really stupid. Um, but they also um, have a great relationships with those other countries like Iran, China, India, and South America, Central America. So despite their stupidity, they're still going to make out better than the U.S., which is committing financial suicide right now. What's the world look like when Bitcoin becomes global currency, when hyper-Bitcoinization, Bitcoin standard? Fractional, uh, fraction, fractionalization, uh, just like the protocol is decentralized, so too will the world and the powers of the world, the countries of the world, and the people of the world. So we're going to have, um, if you look at an old map of the United States from 200 years ago, there were something like 150 nations in America, of Native Americans. Yeah. And that's where we're going back to. We're going to go back to thousands of nations around the world uh, running their micronations, and, but everyone will be on a Bitcoin standard. So it'll be very holistic, very organic, be able to trade with everyone, will be able to trade with each other with perfect money. There'll be very little violence because Bitcoin monetizes peace and love and it demonetizes war and hate. I, you know, I've explained why that is before because it's unconfiscatable. So you cannot use violence, like Paul Krugman suggests, to take other countries' stuff. You have to approach them with something on offer that they're willing to trade with. In this case, it would be with Bitcoin. So that's where we're heading. We're heading to de decentralization breeds more decentralization, more. And you want diversity. You want biodiversity. Uh, you know, we're, we're leaving, hopefully, an era where everything became monocultural, monocultures. Uh, the U.S. is experimenting with the, the monoculture of of um, what's called cultural Marxism. Uh, that experiment will fail as it always fails. I see Louis C.K. just won a Grammy Award for best comedy record for the year. So I think sure. the Me Too movement is dead, finally. <laughs> uh, you know, the- uh, Uncanceled. Elon Musk is now gonna be big in Twitter. Uh, you know, I think they'll bring, bring Donald Trump back. So um, we're going to have a discourse again. We're going to have people able to have free speech. We'll make a comeback because right now free speech has been uh, has been neutered uh, like the electronic bull outside of this convention. No balls. Yeah. We're like <laughs> bull, cow or new. We've decided neutered bull. Once a bull at least. I wonder why they I don't know. They I guess, debated the balls. I heard I asked. Did they? Yeah. Well, why, why, why not have balls? Um, I guess that settled on uh, the 
great compromise. Looks What's like the a compromise? I don't know. It, Didn't it's want a balls woke bull. Out. It's a woke bull. It's, it's a, woke a bull. bull. It's a bull. It's a woke bull with a vagina, right? So, but there's no vagina either. It's a, it's a Barbie doll. It's a Ken doll. Genitalia list animal bull with no genitalia. Well, right. how does it propagate? How does it you know well, breed? You, you and I are going to start a campaign to bring the balls back. <laughs> we, the poor bull. I feel bad. There's a sing call, a sing in a falsetto called, uh, voice. I yeah, mean, it's, it's Castrati. It's Castrati. He's going to keep that same voice indefinitely, though. It's beautiful. <laughs> That's right. He will be able to sing Castrati forever now. Well, it's sad, but. Um, Maybe they couldn't afford the balls. You know, right. that extra $20,000 for a pretty set of balls was too I much. they just, you know, people are offended by balls, apparently. Well, that's obviously uh, a, a sorry state of affairs. Uh, balls are beautiful. I like to sun my balls, as people know. Okay. Uh, that's the healthiest thing to do, the yeah. perineum, the Vitamin little area. Vitamin my man. The, yeah. um, between the, 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 the scrotum and the asshole, the yeah, we perineum. Yeah, the taint. The taint, okay. Yeah. You can, you can you can suntan your taint, yeah. you know that's what you do if you're a man and you go out there and 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 be a man. Um, with the lack of testosterone, testosterone in society is is causing a collapse in society. These other countries are not afraid of balls, and you know they'll be in charge. So America has to decide: do we want to be taking orders from other countries because we don't like balls? Or are we going to man up and say, we have balls, and we're not going to take orders from India, China, Russia, and Iran. We're at the risk of being a subservient housekeeping, you know, house boys, rent boys. There's a nation of rent boys in America that'll be servicing Iranian, Chinese, Russian, and Indian men and, and women. It, 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 that's the, what we're going to end up be doing, Scott, you know, unless we get fucking our balls out and start to be... Uh, you know, represent that, that we have values here. So Bitcoin, everything about Bitcoin represents everything that you would find in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and everything that we have fought for in this country for over 240 years. Um, so the easy thing to do is just to buy Bitcoin, accumulate Bitcoin, promote Bitcoin, and it's like having balls. If you're a woman and you want to have balls, and you want to compete like a man, buy Bitcoin. If you're a man and you want to stop being without balls. Or just have bigger ones. Have bigger balls. Yeah. Buy, buy Bitcoin. And, and you will take care of your gonad problem. So Bitcoin it, it are basically our balls. That, that's, I think, what we're saying here, Scott. Bitcoin our balls. Bitcoin our balls. Well, you, sir, have no lack of balls. <laughs> <laughs> Thank okay. you very much. We're going to get that viral. I hope so. Bitcoin's balls. Bitcoin. Bitcoin is real estate. Bitcoin is Bitcoin balls. is balls. You hear it first. Bitcoin's balls. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right.